good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 421, a very special episode. I'm calling these, I don't know what I, you know, it's a, it's a series entirely dedicated to Tom Brady's Man in the Arena. This episode is about episode three, uh, The Edge. And I'm doing an entire series, basically breaking down every episode. I'm calling them special episodes of Strong Opinion Sports. And I'm not going to lie. So this this episode, the third one of Man in the Arena, documents and tells the story of Tom Brady's third Super Bowl in four years, the third one he won. And I'm not going to lie. So this series is really not blowing up in the sports world the way I thought it might have. Like, I remember watching The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. And, man, it was just like rapid fire, bang, 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 like soundbite, 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 everywhere. It was everywhere. The sto- the, the, there were clips of it everywhere. There were memes. It took over the sports world. This series has not done that. And I think there's a lot of reasons why that's happening. First of all, I think Tom Brady is a lot healthier than Michael Jordan. Like, he doesn't hold on to all this anger and bitterness, and Tom Brady's using this series to share positivity and talk about all the people who helped him along the way, like giving shine to Drew Bledsoe, giving shine to um, Lawyer Malloy, like stuff like that. Michael Jordan, during The Last Dance, was a lot more bitter, and it really, you felt that. And that's just, like, that's better tea. Like, you, whatever, like, it's better gossip. It's more dramatic. Uh, this series has not been very dramatic. And also, like, so far, uh, there's two other things really working against Manny in the arena. Number one, it's it's behind a paywall. It's it's not on ESPN. I don't remember how I watched The Last Dance, but I remember watching it on my TV app. I've got YouTube TV, and I remember watching it there. I couldn't watch Man in the Arena that way. I had to go literally find a way to get ESPN Plus and watch it there. It's like six bucks a month. It's not backbreaking, but it's kind of frustrating. Like, thank God I'm making content about it because the only way I'm paying for my subscription is with the content I'm making about Man in the Arena. Like, and that, I don't know that this series is worth the paywall. Like, I don't, I, I, I think ESPN saw them dominate with the last dance and said, ah, we want to get people to subscribe to ESPN Plus, and so they thought, well, the last dance was huge with the with the Tom Brady version. Let's put it behind a paywall, thinking they'd get more people. I don't know what the, I have no idea what the viewership is, but I know that so far I've not been that excited about what I've seen in the series. Like it's, I'm a Tom Brady fan, and that's great, but that's a great. I, I'm usually a good litmus test for if an average sports fan will care because I am the far end of the spectrum. I care way more than most people, right? Like, I watch every NFL game. I, <laughs> I'm i a massive nerd about sports. It's my job, and I watch everything. And if even I am not that passionate about what's happening, then that's a problem, because I should be the target audience. And I, Tom Brady's my favorite player of all time. So I just, I, I wonder, I, I'm kind of curious what the level of interest publicly is like I'm recording this on Thursday and the episode came out Tuesday I live in Hawaii so it actually came out like Tuesday at two o'clock and I was busy working on other stuff but I didn't feel yesterday I took that day off and relaxed and had a good time and I didn't feel an immense sense of pressure to get it done soon because I'm like there's not a lot of like people that were going to watch it are going to watch it on Thursday whether it comes out Thursday or Wednesday because 
it's not this crazy cultural thing that's going on. And I, if I don't really love what's happening on screen, I wonder what other people are feeling. Also, like the the biggest I think hurdle that ESPN, uh, sorry ESPN, that this series made in the arena has kind of had to overcome is that, frankly, like Tom Brady and I, I feel horribly guilty saying this, but it is true. Tom Brady's first three Super Bowls are just not as compelling as when he lost to Eli Manning twice or when he lost to Nick Foles or when he won a Super Bowl with a brand new team in Tampa Bay or when he lost to Philly and Nick Foles. Like there are way more memorable, dramatic Super Bowls beating the Falcons after being down 28 to three, right? Tom Brady's first three Super Bowls might be the most impressive, actually. Like, they won three in four years. They built a dynasty. It's a young Tom Brady who was learning how to be an NFL quarterback, still finding a way to win. They, they dominated Peyton Manning and the amazing Colts offenses. I mean, it, it really might be the best, like, four years of football Tom Brady's actually ever been a part of. Like, it really, I don't want to, I, I feel so guilty not being incredibly moved by the first three Super Bowls Tom Brady's been in, the first three episodes, because every episode is about one of the Super Bowls Tom Brady's been to. But it is true that it's it's been a long time, and dominance is less interesting than a crazy finish. And I feel like when when Tom Brady went 18-1 and one and lost to the Giants, that's one, like, I cannot wait to hear that story. And and the first three episodes have been like, eh, yeah, like it's good. I, I like I, I'm like in this episode, episode three, we finally got to hear from Mike Vrabel. Uh, Teddy Bruschi makes an appearance. He's everywhere throughout this episode. He's fantastic. Like Teddy Bruschi is incredibly, incredibly well spoken. I love listening to him talk. Um, and it's an interesting story. I do wonder, are we going to get Bill Belichick at any point? In this series, I don't, I don't think so. But it feels like every episode, they're like, let's get new, different people. So it's, it's always Tom Brady telling his story, with commentary from other people. And every episode, it's been different people every time. Is it possible at all that one of them is Bill Belichick? I don't think so. I really don't. Bill Belichick. I, I'm playing Madden. Actually, I've been playing Madden recently. Like Bill Belichick isn't in Madden. He doesn't allow himself. Like he doesn't allow his name image or likeness to be in Madden. At least the ones I'm playing older Madden games. I don't know. What, I, I don't, I couldn't tell you about the new one, but in the old Madden games, like Bill Belichick isn't there. Cause he didn't, it's just new England coach because he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want attention and media and doesn't want distraction. So I would imagine Bill Belichick doesn't want to be a part of a series that is in relation to his old former quarterback. I, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you, but I, I, I I'm still like, there's a, it's it's like the slimmest chance of all humanity, right? It's like 1% chance that Bill Belichick will appear. And and I'm just like, oh, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't, but there's like a little sliver of me. And honestly, the, the Super Bowl I think I most want to hear Bill Belichick talk about actually is Tom Brady in Tampa. Like Belichick talking about Tom Brady without him being his quarterback. That sounds amazing. So anyway, uh, this episode, episode three, now that I've you know, talked for eight minutes about all kinds of stuff, um, this episode's all about 
kind of the story of the Patriots completing their dynasty. Again, three Super Bowls in four years. It's incredibly, incredibly impressive what they did. Uh, they won 21 games in a row at one point. And they actually, their 21-game winning streak got broken by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, that's where we'll start the story today. Um, Mike Vrabel was really cool. I, I, he had a great quote. Mike, Mike Vrabel, former Patriots linebacker, won multiple Super Bowls with Tom Brady. He's now actually the Tennessee Titans head coach. Gave a, and by the way, he wasn't actually that, like, man, Teddy Bruschi, great on camera. Rodney Harrison, amazing on camera. Mike Vrabel's kind of boring, like, and not in a bad way. Like, he gave some great quotes. I'm going to read one in a second here. But a lot of the stuff that Mike Vrabel just is, you can tell he's a coach and he, he's a football guy, not a personality. The same way that I think guys that have worked in TV are just different than a guy who's entrenched in the game of football. And Mike Vrabel's a football coach, not a media personality. Whereas Teddy Bruschi or, um, you know, Rodney Harrison, for example, are they, they're guys who they are great in front of a camera. Now, Mike Vrabel gave an amazing quote. I think it's valuable to know he is the Titans head coach because his his quote here really does color the way he must feel as a head coach now. He said that when the Patriots lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers after uh, you know and ended their 21-game winning streak, Mike Vrabel said, you don't know what kind of culture you have until things are not going well. Like, it's easy to be like, oh, we're all in. Let's work hard. Ah, ah, ah. But when you lose, that's when you're really tested and when you struggle. And, you know, Brady even says, like, and I, I love, because I had this theory. Basically, anytime a Nick Saban team loses in college football, I go, I bet Nick Saban's glad his team lost because it's really easy to get ahead of yourself, especially in the game of football. You're physically imposing your will on other teams, and the little details are so important to winning that when you're dominating, it's easy to sometimes let the little details go by and go by the wayside. So I've always felt like like when Nick Saban loses a random game in the regular season, he's like, great, I can use this as an opportunity to whip their butts back into shape and refocus my team to focus on the little details. Because when you're beating teams 52 to nothing, it's hard to be like, Look, we, we dominated, but you missed that block on special teams when you punted on, you know, the third quarter. It's hard to care about that stuff. But when you get your butt kicked, it's a wake-up call. And, and Brady literally says, I think Belichick loved that we got our butts kicked. He's like, I, I think that Belichick was like, ha, 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 here's an opportunity to refocus my team. And I want to win a Super Bowl. I don't care how many games you win in a row. And it allowed Belichick to fix all that small stuff and... You know, I, I, I got to say, like, in this scene, it's pretty interesting how Brady kind of, he, he does a, I don't know if a, a great impression of Belichick. He does an impression of Belichick. Definitely, I've seen, like, there there's much better uh, impression. Like, Julian Edelman, for example, did an amazing impression of Belichick one time. Brady just kind of cusses a lot, which it must mean that behind closed doors, Belichick just fires him off. F-bombs and all kinds of stuff. Brady's cussing a bunch, and I like seeing that, though, because I do think that is how Brady does actually talk. I mean, like, it's how I talk. I swear like a sailor when I'm not broadcasting. Listen to my other content, too. Like, I, on Strong Opinion Sports on this show, I've decided I'm going to be more, like, family-friendly, whatever that means. Uh, although I, I have fun here and now, and I talk about certain things, but I, 
I try not to cuss. I think that's for some reason that just felt like the right thing to do here. And uh, I, I just I really do believe that Belichick must cuss a lot. And it's cool to see Brady do it here. And, and you know, Teddy Bruschi talked about how when they lost to Pittsburgh, he says they knew why Bill Belichick would coach them hard. It's because he wanted to win. He wanted the best out of them. And it really made me realize that this entire series, especially this third episode of The Man in the Arena, it's almost just a Bill Belichick like commercial where we're really seeing the culture that Bill Belichick built in New England flex its muscles and show what they did. And I think some people hear this stuff and just get on the phone and call their agent and say, What's it going to take? How can I go play in New England? Like, what's it going to take for me? to? Because there's a certain type of person who wants to be in that environment, who's hungry, who wants to win. They're competitive. And I mean, we saw in this episode, they talk about Corey Dillon leaving Cincinnati and going to New England. And I don't think Corey Dillon hated Cincinnati. He wasn't like angry, trying to sabotage them. He just wanted a different competitive environment. Corey Dillon was a New England kind of guy. And I, I hate to say this and admit this. I, I'm not, it's not going to stick. Like all the Patriots guys kept saying the word. <laughs> I'm too, I think I'm too immature to handle it, honestly. Brady, Brewski, they kept saying the word edger. Like we're edgers. And I'm like, ah, that one's not going to stick for me. I'm not going to walk around saying I'm an edger. Like, ah, no, 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 no. Kindly, no, not for me. Uh, but I, the sentiment is that. It's all these guys who are working to get an edge on each other. Hey, you watched three hours of film. I watched four. Just one-upping each other constantly in that environment. Well, and Brady even talks about it. It's hard to sustain. It's incredibly effective and very successful. And the edge was that the Patriots back in that, and still to this day, I think, the Patriots, any Tom Brady team, like, Brady, I think, has really been trying, and I don't think that successfully, but definitely trying to carry the culture of New England over to Tampa Bay. And I don't, I don't think Tom Brady has as effectively gotten Tampa to care about detail the same way Bill Belichick does. And also Tampa, with Bruce Arians, they work hard, but they also, it's, it's a, we're seeing a different Tom Brady that's a little more relaxed, a little more casual, um, and maybe more cavalier, like leisurely, leisure focused. And that that's how you have guys like Mike Evans who run the wrong routes and are dropping passes and help having balls pop out of their hands, to get picked off. Like it's little details. I think right now have been killing Tampa. And then that's the thing that's been hardest for Tom Brady to carry over from t- new England to Tampa is guys are focused and want to win, but it's never going to be quite as much as it is under Bill Belichick. Cause Bill Belichick, it's just different than Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians does value rest, does value family time. And Bill just is like, we are going to work. And, and again, it's a certain type of person that wants to play in New England. And like a great example of this is actually week 17 in that 2004 NFL season where the Patriots were the number two seed. They, you know, 14 and two had a great record. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers were actually 15 and one. They had an amazing year. 15 and one is it? What an impressive record for Pittsburgh. Um, but the Patriots had their playoff seeding secure. Like they didn't need to play. But Bill said, like, 
we're going to play our starters in week 17, even if it doesn't, quote, matter for the playoffs. Here's why it does matter. And this is something that makes Bill so interesting and cool to me. Is Bill said, we're not going to let our foot off the gas. This game, even if it doesn't help us do better in our playoff seating or get us ahead, what it does is it's a chance to get better. No matter how good you are, there's always something you can fix. And we need to be at our best for the playoffs. So this game, week 17, even if it's not going to make us get better or lower in the playoff seating, we need to take it seriously because it's an opportunity for us to fine-tune things so we're better in the playoffs. And I that is such an insightful attitude and is the ultimate argument why I'm now like, never rest your starters. If you're playing, I get it. You don't want to get injured, but details do matter. And you always are honing your craft. And once you feel safe and you're like, ah, I don't need to get any better, that right there, that's exactly when they get you. When you finally get caught is when you feel comfortable and safe and you stop pushing to get better and move ahead. And Bill, say what you want about Bill Belichick. He never, ever allows his teams to feel safe and secure. And that sounds unhealthy. And it, I don't, I don't, it's, it's, you can be confident without being cocky. And in the NFL, if you don't work hard, you lose your job, right, wrong, or indifferent. You got to get after it every single day. And I think that's my favorite thing about the Bill Belichick. And and, and like, I, I, let's skip ahead because Tom Brady, they, they win the Super Bowl in this episode. And Tom Brady talks about how he was beat, man. Like he was just emotionally, physically tired. And there's all this time where, you know, as a leader, you really do care and you invest in people around you. And that type of mentality is really difficult to maintain. And Tom Brady said after the 2004 Super Bowl, he felt overwhelmed. And, you know, the responsibility and the expectations kind of got to him. And it makes sense. And, and this, really, the way this episode ended, episode three, perfectly teased the rest of the series because Bill Bell, you know, Tom, sorry, Tom Brady, excuse me, Brady. Brady says, like, yeah, we won three Super Bowls out of four. Four, three year, four, uh, three Super Bowls in four years. I can't even talk. What's wrong with me? <laughs> Brady says, we won three Super Bowls in four years, and now we had to rebuild. It's like, dun, dun, dun. I'm like, yes! How did they do it? And I can't wait to see how Tom Brady responded to this moment where he was feeling burned out. And they just won, but they, you know, they, they couldn't keep the band together anymore. I'm so excited to see how this happens and what, you know, what the next episode will show us about how the Patriots regrouped and got back together. Uh, I also love that Tom Brady talked about the yellow towels being really, really intimidating in Pittsburgh. They've got the terrible towels, and that is an environment that I can't imagine playing. Like, I, I can't. It sounds so fun. To, I want it. Maybe someday I got to get myself to a game in Pittsburgh to see what that's really like in person. A, a now, a playoff game is probably even better than a regular season game, but they got their terrible towels, they're yelling, they're passionate. Like, that sounds awesome. And uh, earlier in the 2004 season, Pittsburgh broke that 21-game winning streak by New England. And so then in the playoffs, the game to get into the Super Bowl, the AFC title game, New England played Pittsburgh again. And Tom Brady talked about this game and said that beating Pittsburgh in the AFC title game was the best non-Super Bowl win of his entire career. 
because they broke the streak and it really showed them playing their best football. Tom Brady is playing at a high level. They're playing a Dick LeBeau defense who they just, they blitzed like crazy, you know, Blitzberg. They just came after the quarterback with all kinds of exotic and exotic meaning like really rare and different blitzes that you're like, oh my gosh, they brought the corner. They found a way to loop the safety from, the, you know, making it disguise it like cover three. And then he found a way to blitz me. Like it's just all kinds of disguises. And I remember watching those old, Pittsburgh Steelers teams where guys just would be walking around before the snap. And you're like, I like, I, I got no idea who is going to blitz because th- th- nobody's responsibility is clear at all. And that takes a lot of it. That's really unique. When you watch the NFL now, it's, it's almost very vanilla compared to that Steelers defense because you're like, yeah, it's cover three or they're disguising it. And it's, it's something else, but like, it's very clear what it is looks like like they're disguising one thing and then when the safety like might drop off into cover four or he does buzz the flat and you're like okay well it looked like cover three now it's cover one man and you're like i still even though it's very clear what it is or what they're trying to show me it is and then when they disguise it and make a change post snap you're like well i had an idea what it was because no one was moving pre-snap now i see oh he moved here instead it's not that hard for your brain to catch up with what's going on with the coverage, even if it's disguised. The Steelers defenses back then were like, hey, you're going to have no idea where anyone is, what they're doing, who's coming after the quarterback. Like, we're just, they're just milling around, walking around pre-snap. And from a quarterback perspective, when you're trying to figure out what the defense is doing, that's so frustrating. Like, you can still see how many safeties are back. You know, what kind of... um, how is the corner setting up? Is he looking straight at his receiver or his eyes inside? How about post snap or his eyes inside post snap? Is he focused on the receiver? Does he turn away, like turn man, turn zone, that kind of stuff? But man, the the front seven for the Steelers back then was incredibly impressive. And I that's some of my favorite football as a kid to watch was watching that Steelers defense just do all kinds of stuff and wreak havoc on teams and terrorize quarterbacks so yeah I totally understand where Brady's coming from saying that was my favorite win non-Super Bowl win of my entire career and then apparently before the Super Bowl against Pittsburgh or sorry against Philly excuse me so man it's crazy to look back and think about this in 2004 New England played Philadelphia in the Super Bowl and it was almost Pittsburgh against Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the two Pennsylvania teams against each other in the Super Bowl. You know, I always say the NFL is not scripted. That right there is an example of like, if the NFL really was just a bunch of storylines all put together, <laughs> which it, now it's clearly not. Like I got, I don't know how anyone can argue that. And they haven't thought very deeply about it. If they do, like they find one thing that confirms their belief and then they never let it go again. This is a great example of, like, if the NFL was scripted, you would have the Battle of Pennsylvania. Sounds incredibly interesting. It would be fun. So I, I little things like that. I'm like, come on. There's so many examples throughout NFL history where you're like, there's no way this was planned. Like, come on. Um, now, I, I love that Brady says about the Super Bowl, uh, you know, the quarterback's job in this big game, and not just in this game, but in general, in, in the NFL. All right? And maybe not in the NFL. That, that's probably a bad way to put it. Tom Brady talks about how the quarterback's job in football, period, is that your job is to not lose the game. 
And if there's opportunities to win the game, you take advantage of that. But we're seeing a lot of young quarterbacks going through that process now, learning how to not lose a game. Tua right now, the Dolphins starting quarterback, is learning how to not lose a game. And eventually he'll recognize the couple moments a game where you're given an opportunity to win the game, where they're playing man coverage against Jalen Waddell, and you're like, I got to just take this matchup right now and throw a touchdown. Like, when they leave the door open for you to beat them, you got to barge through it. But when they're not, there's a lot of times during a football game where the defense isn't actually giving you an easy opportunity to beat them or leaving a door open. And that's when you just can't make mistakes. You got to play smart, clean football, take care of the ball, find your checkdowns, don't force it into coverage. A lot of the quarterback position, and, and you can watch this when you see Tom Brady play the quarterback position, you see this in his game. He's patiently waiting for his moment to strike. He's like, oh, five yards here, five yards there. They're playing soft coverage. Take my check down, run the ball. He's waiting and waiting and waiting. And then, oh, you're playing man-to-man coverage with Mike Evans. Bam, touchdown. Like, he's waiting and waiting, stalking his prey. And then he takes a moment when you when you make a mistake in coverage and gives him the matchup he wants, he takes it. And we're seeing a lot of young quarterbacks, Tua, um, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, all these young quarterbacks in the NFL right now, Justin Fields, especially the rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. I I consider Tua basically a rookie. Like these young guys who haven't, but even Josh Allen is still learning what it looks like to take what the defense gives him because Josh Allen's been throwing a lot of picks this year. So is Lamar Jackson. And Patrick Mahomes even has not mastered the NFL craft of, you know, when to take a risk and when not to. It's the hardest part of playing the quarterback position. And you see all these young quarterbacks, Matt Corral, the Ole Miss quarterback right now is learning what it looks like to when to take what the defense gives you and when to find the right matchup. And I I just, it's, it's three lines here. A quarterback's job is to not lose the game. And if there's opportunities to win the game, you got to take advantage of that. Those three sentences right there are some of the most amazing quarterback thought. I think it's been said in a long time because that's all it really is. You're figuring out, hey, don't lose the game. Take what the defense gives you. Don't make mistakes. But you got to also learn those couple moments a game, three, four, five opportunities where you're given a shot to put a dagger in the heart of the opponent, finding a great matchup, a blown coverage there. Oh, hey, there's nobody over top of my receiver on the left. They're leaving a guy wide open. Find the easy completion. Throw a long touchdown, like little things like that. That's all the quarterback. People oversimplify, and this is the best way to simplify the quarterback position. I'm sorry. I'm nerding out here. I love this. A quarterback's job is to not lose the game, and if there's opportunities to win the game, you got to take advantage of that. Beautiful. That's why I watch the series. That's why I love football right there. Uh, Now, apparently before the Super Bowl against Pittsburgh, sorry about my rambling rant. I was having fun there. I love this stuff. (laughs) <laughs> I really do. It's fun. Uh, Bill Belichick apparently found the Philadelphia victory parade before the Super Bowl. And I love that Bill just loves to take the piss out of anyone he can. He's like, oh, I guess we shouldn't show up then, huh? Philadelphia already decided they're winning. And like part of planning is you have to plan the parade. Like, Win or lose, that kind of stuff happens all the time. How many t-shirts do they make? Like, they make t-shirts for the winners and the losers because right after the Super Bowl, literally immediately afterwards, you see players wearing the shirt saying, 
you know, Patriots, Super Bowl champs. Well, they made Eagles shirts, too. And it's kind of like Bill saying, what? They're planning a parade. He might as well be saying, what? They made Eagles shirts? But who cares? So when you're in that situation, you're looking for anything you can to give your team something to be motivated by. And I, I love that, man. I think it's awesome. And th- this is where in my notes I found the thought. I'm like, imagine if Bill Belichick was in just one of these episodes. It would be incredibly, incredibly fun. Now, um, in the Super Bowl, I think it's interesting. Tom Brady very, and this is why, again, this series just does not have as much drama as Man in the Arena had. Because Tom Brady so kindly says that the Eagles were idiots at the end of the Super Bowl in 2004 for not running a hurry-up offense. And they really took a lot of time. And that's a historic thing about that Super Bowl is that, and kind of the first time we saw a real example of like a memorable big moment where you're like, Andy Reid is not great with clock management. You know, Philly was down by 10 points with like five minutes left. And they're just huddling, taking their sweet time. Like, hey, uh, you're down 10 in the Super Bowl. How about you hurry it up a little bit? And instead of call, instead of saying what I just said, hey, idiot, that's bad football. Bill, you know, Tom Brady was just like, well, you know, we try to have really smart players and play good situational football, and that matters. And he said it in such a kind way that I don't I think Michael Jordan would have been like, these guys are idiots. And uh give me one second. There's a there's a leaf blower outside. Okay, so I'm I'm not kidding. I don't know what the ugh, flip nuggets going on in my neighborhood. Every day. They've got a leaf blower going like crazy. I'm going to stop this show for a second. Go get a video and then I'll come back and end the show. I'm going to go get you. I'm going to go. I'm going to get some audio for you guys to hear the leaf blower going on literally right outside my window. Like what the, what the flip every day? How does that, why does it have to happen every day? There's a leaf blower in my backyard. (laughs) I don't know, man. I'm not mad at the leaf blower dudes. Like, they're doing their job. I'm doing my job. You can't get mad at somebody for doing their job. Like, that, that's not fair. So the guy out there with a the leaf blower, I'm not mad at you, man. I just, I'm like, ah, of course. I'm trying to record. And that's really loud and annoying. Now, I, I feel very totally fine. If you can hear it in the background, no problem. I, I really, that's the end of my notes. I got nothing left to talk about with this episode. Um, I, had more to, I had more to say than I thought I did. And that's just, I guess, the, I got the gift of gab. Um, but I'm, I'm, I can't say enough how excited I am for the future episodes of this show because Man in the Arena has some really juicy, really good, interesting content coming up. And that the reason why I decided to do a entire series breaking down every episode of this show is for the stuff coming up. You're down 28 to three in the Super Bowl to Atlanta, losing to Nick Foles, losing to Eli Manning twice, especially once when you're 18 and 0 and you lose. I mean. And then how about going to Tampa to win a Super Bowl? I want to hear those stories. I know there's great stuff coming up. And um, my only thought left is, like, why, why did Tom Brady choose to do this now? You ever, you ever, anyone ever, has anyone asked that question? Like, why has Tom Brady decided to do a documentary series breaking down his career in 2021 this year? He could have waited until he retired. I, I, I really don't know. I... I is it a sign he's about to retire? 
I, I, I don't know what to make of that. And that's just a question I'm going to leave hanging with you is, is why do you think Tom Brady decided now to make a documentary series breaking down his career? He could have waited until his career was actually over to do that. Maybe it was because in New England he felt like he never could. And now I think he must feel pretty good about winning a Super Bowl in Tampa. He's like, that, that's that might be like, he's like, hey, I didn't go 19 and 0 and, you know, have an undefeated year and finish with a Super Bowl. I, I won three out of four Super Bowls. That's pretty impressive. But I think Tom Brady in his heart might feel like my best accomplishment was going to Tampa and in my first year taking a bad football team and getting them to a Super Bowl. Now, I, one thing I want to say about that, though, and I saw Trey Wingo's Twitter profile today. It's literally his profile says, like, wins are not a quarterback stat. And while that is, like, technically true, you know, a lot of great quarterbacks, especially in college, you know, if, if college football, if you play on a bad football team, you can hide a great quarterback who's got a ton of NFL potential on a bad football team with no help. Every quarterback needs help. Every single quarterback in the NFL. And that's why I, I hesitate to call Tom Brady the best quarterback of all time. Because he's like, I, I, he's the greatest, whatever that means. But like, is he the most talented? No, he's not the most talented. I watch Aaron Rodgers play quarterback and my mind explodes. And I'm like, that's amazing. Tom Brady's never done that. He's never thrown a back shoulder fade off his back foot across the field. Like there's stuff like that. Aaron's way more capable than a guy like Tom Brady. However, the, the one thing I got it, I got to say that I think is amazing about Tom Brady is his willingness to recognize how much he needs help. Peyton Manning for years kind of wasted away in Indy with a team that wasn't quite as good as what he needed. Like, look at the career matchups between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning got his butt kicked, dude, because Peyton Manning never had as good a team as Tom Brady did. Aaron Rodgers has had bad years because I think, frankly, he didn't have good enough help. And Aaron is finally kind of starting to speak up. I think Aaron and Tom Brady hung out. They did golf this offseason. And Aaron's like, man, Tom always has a good team around him. Why, why can't I get, like, why, maybe I should. I think Aaron is kind of realizing in his head, he's like, I only got so many years left. Why am I wasting them on a team that isn't giving me support? Like Tom, like Tom Brady gets the most support of any quarterback in NFL history. But you got to give credit to Tom because he realized, hey, more than I need money, more than I need, because the best thing for Tom Brady's career financially, money-wise, was to win a lot of Super Bowls and win a lot of games. The more he wins, the more money he makes off the field. So he could make $40 million a year on the field, cripple his team the way Russell Wilson's contract did. But does who gets more endorsement deals, Russ or Tom Brady? Tom Brady, of course. Who's got more media attention? Tom Brady. So the best thing for Tom Brady's career was to take less money get better players around him and win a lot of games. That's the best thing for Tom Brady's wallet that ever happened was Tom Brady realizing that, but you got to give credit to Tom. Like he's not the most talented quarterback all time, but he's also maybe the most aware, like self-aware quarterback in NFL history where he realized, Hey, I'm going to leave new England. And part of that's because I'm not getting the help I used to get here. Like the team around me isn't as good. I got to go somewhere. Where I'm getting better help from my teammates, but he chose Tampa. He saw the potential in Tampa Bay where he's like, this team, all they need is some good decision-making. I, if I can go there, make good decisions, and lead this team a little bit and help correct some of the mistakes they're making on the field, we can win a Super Bowl, and that's exactly what they did. And so um, 
is Tom Brady the the most talented quarterback of all time? I don't think so. I think I think that's actually probably Aaron Rodgers. Is he the most successful quarterback of all time? Yeah, hundred percent. But the the thing that Tom Tom Brady does that I think is not gotten the shine it deserves is Tom Brady has to be the most self-aware quarterback we've ever seen in NFL history. And that is his most impressive trait. All right, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I will see you very soon. We got more Strong Opinion Sports coming up. We got more breakdowns of further and future episodes of Man in the Arena. It's going to be great stuff up ahead. And I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. And uh, take care. Bam, we are done.